So, Lord, would you please protect and provide for your church? And I've watched God sustain us and answer those prayers over and over again. Uh, two years ago, as we went, walked through a, uh, a worship transition, you know, moving from, from three services to two, from two styles to one, shooting for this rooted and relevant style that we were going for. And to watch God's blessing in that, to have incredible Christmas and Easter services, along with so many in between as we've unified our, our church and our efforts, to watch our, our giving remain strong and our attendance to grow. And then last year, to walk through this senior pastor transition we've gone through that has been far more unifying and, and exciting to watch God at work than I ever anticipated that it would be. I've just watched God sustain and protect and provide for his church over and over again. So what I want to do over the, this week and next week is unpack that a little, to dwell there and to talk about what this means for God to be our protector, our sustainer, what this looks like for God to be our provider as well. So we'll talk about God as our provider next week. I'm excited. I've got a million stories about that. I'm excited to share next week. But I'm also excited to share this week about God as our as our sustainer, as our protector. Now, a few a couple months ago, I got some of the best feedback I've ever gotten out of a message uh, because Lindsay got up here and helped me. I'm no fool. Lindsay, would you come up? And, uh, I've asked her to help again. <laughs> you know, as a picture of talking about what this means for God to sustain us. Uh, Lindsay, you may or may not know, started playing piano at six. About and was a piano performance major in college. She's well equipped and trained to help with this illustration. Uh, one of the pedals down at her feet is called the sustain pedal. And I've asked Lindsay to illustrate what this does just with a couple notes. So without the sustain pedal, and then with the sustain pedal, you hear the difference here? Do that one more time. Without the sustain pedal, and then with the sustain pedal. All right. What happens, I've got a picture of this. There are these dampers on the strings within the piano. And when Lindsay presses down that pedal... Those dampers raise off the strings and allows them to resonate. So let's uh, ask you without just play a little, maybe a little more uh, without the sustain pedal. Okay, that's still way better than I could ever do. But now, show what this sounds like with the sustain pedal. And keep going. No, I'm just When Lindsay presses down that sustain pedal, the dampers raise off the strings and allows the strings to resonate freely and makes the sound more beautiful as a result. I think in a similar way, God's sustaining work in our lives, as he works in our hearts and in our lives, what that does is it pulls up some obstacles for us, whether internally or externally around us, so that our lives can resonate as he's made us to live. And the look and the sound of it is therefore more beautiful. So can we thank Lynn? Thanks. So 
So what I want to do this morning is look into a psalm that has been a source of strength and hope for me. And I, I pray that it's of encouragement to you today as well. That's Psalm 46. And it starts here. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. This is a pretty profound statement to kick into this. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. And think about that. When do we need refuge? Right, when there's a threat against us, when do we need strength? Oftentimes when we feel weak. What happens when we feel weak and threatened? Perspective can go out the window. Right? We don't always think that clearly. And so there's this reminder here that God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Now, thinking about this idea of him, of his presence with us, I shared this story a couple of years ago, and I think it was helpful to a number of people. So I'm refreshing it again here. I've got a picture of Gavin. It's my eight year old son. And uh, this is a couple months ago. We were hiking up uh, in the Adirondack Mountains. This is at the top of a mountain called uh, Mount Crow. And we got off in this trail. So so for a mile or two, we're walking up this this trail through the mountains that felt like it was straight up uh, and. And we weren't talking a whole lot. You know, we were pretty fairly quiet just trying to make it up this, this hill. Uh, you know, sometimes I was in front for a while. Sometimes he was in front for a while. But we, we just wandered up this mountain together. And, uh, and then we got to the top. Yeah, you know, this high fives. Let's take a selfie. I said, buddy, spread out your arms like this. Let me get a picture of you. And there was celebration and fun. We we're engaging with one another and getting bitten by a whole lot of little flies. But uh, there's this whole different level of interaction that was happening in that moment. Now, was I present to him on the walk on the way up the mountain? Yeah. Was I present with him on the summit? Yeah. Did it feel the same? No, it was, it was different. And so this, this psalm is, it says that God is a very present help in trouble. There's a promise that we can cling to, that God is present with us. That doesn't mean it's always going to feel the same way. But we can cling to this idea that he is present with us. And because of that, the next, next verse is, therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, we will not fear. I think the result of, of understanding God's presence, of understanding who he is, is that fear fades away. Right. First John four says that perfect love casts out fear and the bigger your God is, the smaller your troubles will be. The safer your God is, the smaller your threats will feel. The, the stronger your God is, the smaller your weaknesses will seem. The more awe you have for God, the less fear you will have for what is in this world. It's just the way that it is. And what follows in this psalm are some big pictures and big imagery. And we're not going to go verse by verse through this, but, but there's some big pictures here. The psalms were written to be learned and to be translated to others. So there are big pictures that help us to, to capture the themes that are there. We don't know exactly when this was written or exactly what this was talking about. But we get some pictures of trouble and some pictures of peace. So here's some of the pictures of trouble that are there. Mountains falling into the sea, waters swirling, consuming the mountains, nations in uproar, kingdoms tottering, the earth melting. We get these pictures of unrelenting, uncontrollable change, right? Things that if we think about them and dwell on them a little bit could cause some fear. These are big pictures of trouble that do surround us. Now, that said, 
I want to confess to you, sometimes I have a tough time relating to this personally. Uh, if I'm being honest, I mean, there, the idea of the mommy swelling up to, to cover Toledo or Detroit falling into Lake Erie, did, I don't know, that doesn't, isn't likely. Uh, the, these ideas of, of war surrounding me in my environment, right, these troubles of biblical proportion, Sometimes they're tough for me to, to resonate with personally. And yet, is there trouble surrounding me? Yeah. There's still trouble that, that is around. Now, I've walked with people through, through drug addictions and been around those who have had trouble finding jobs. You know, those who, who are wrestling with financial difficulties or domestic violence or relational issues or divorce. There's all sorts of troubles. They might not be these troubles of, of biblical proportion like we're talking, but they're troubles nonetheless. Let me get real with you on a personal note. One of, one of the things that I, I, uh, I want to bring my own heart here as well. And this last week's been a tough one for me. We went a week ago to uh, a friend's wedding in Virginia. Uh, you may know, uh, some of you may know, a young man named A.J. Wygand uh, got married last weekend. So we had a great time at the wedding. Lindsay and I got a few great days in uh, just messing around D.C. and uh, going to some museums and seeing monuments at night. Just really, really good beginning to the trip. Uh, we went over to, Del- to Delaware to visit my family a little bit. And early Wednesday morning, about 3 a.m., we, were, we woke up to uh, ambulance lights in the cul-de-sac. Uh, my grandmother had taken a fall in the house next door. And we're not sure at this point whether the fall caused an aneurysm or whether the aneurysm caused the fall. Uh, but what ensued was just a few excruciating days. Uh, and she passed away last night. It was a hard, hard time. Hard time for the family. Roller coaster of a day on Thursday in particular. Now, my troubles are not life-threatening troubles for me. At this point in life, you know, my troubles are not history changing troubles. My troubles aren't your troubles, but they're troubles and they're there. But here's the thing. So is God. See, there's pictures of troubles here, but there's also pictures of peace an incredible peace. And this is meant to stand in contrast for us to see both of these things. As this psalm goes on, it says it it has pictures of river flowing through God's dwelling place, of morning dawning, of breaking the bow, cutting the spear, burning the chariots. Right. Calm replaces chaos. Peace replaces war. And here's the thing. There is chaos. There is trouble. There is war. There is sin. And there is also God. Right. He does not cease to be present as our refuge and strength and our help because of those troubles. I believe that God is working for good in the midst of all things, even if all things in themselves are not good. There's something to cling to there. You know, back to that moment with my grandmother, one of the moments that I'll cherish with her is on Thursday. She had been back and forth out in and out of of being coherent. But in in, these moments with her on on Thursday afternoon where she looked at me and she goes, why are we here? And I thought, I'm not sure where she is at this point. So do you mean why are we here in the hospital? Or why are we here like big picture is humanity? And she goes, big picture. And the first things off my head, I just said, well, I think we're here to, to glorify God 
and to enjoy him forever. I think we're here to love God with all of our heart and soul and strength and to love other people. And she goes, is this the end? Is this it? Is is there any chance I recover here? I said, that's beyond me. I said, that's not for me to answer, but I can say this. Thinking about that God's calling on our lives is to love him and to love others. You have run that race. You have finished that course at 89 years old. You have loved well and you've been loved well. You have believed in Jesus Christ and you've pointed others to believe. And I don't know if there's more time here, but I can tell you this. There's nothing to fear in what's ahead. Those were some of the last coherent conversations that she ever had here on this earth. But there is incredible hope when our faith is in Jesus Christ. There may be trouble, but there is also God. And he will be faithful to the end. This life is not all there is. There's an eternity to come. An eternity to be hoped in. As we deal with this, with this contrast, and by the way, let me say too, Romans 8, uh, I love this from Paul. He says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. God is and will forever be our refuge and our strength. Now, we, are, we still in this life, though, wrestle with, uh, with these ideas of trouble and God's sustaining power coexisting around us. And to lighten things up a little bit here, I think some of us tend to, to fall into one of two camps as we wrestle with this. Some of us are, are kind of in the it's all good camp, right? We're, we're kind of happy Jesus, you know. <laughs> you know. What we do is we look at the troubles that are around us, but we kind of belittle them, right? We don't really pay too much attention to them because it's all good. Yeah, Jesus is here. What, what some of us do when we, when we fall into this camp of, of not paying any attention to the troubles that are around us is we don't invite God into them, right? We miss the opportunities to invite God in and see him work. And the reality is, if we really love people, there is brokenness in the world around us. And if we really love people, it will affect us at our heart level at times. So don't ignore the trouble that's there, but also don't ignore God. You know, if some of us fall into the it's all good mentality, others of us fall into the sky is falling mentality. This is sad, Jesus, you know, this is actually a really a real painting from the 1400s. But, you know, some of us, rather than belittling the troubles that are around us, some of us like amplify them and magnify them and make more of them than they're worth you know, focusing on. Right. This is the perpetual Eeyore. The sky is falling. I, you know, I, I'm undone. I'm not sure what to do with all of this. And if you fall into that camp, it's good for you to remember this morning that God is your refuge and your strength and that he is present to help in trouble. Here's the thing, regardless of which of these camps you fall into or anywhere in between, really, there's an invitation to you this morning into peace. One of some of my favorite verses in the Bible, Hebrews four, we do not have a great high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. Instead, we have one as Jesus who is tempted in every way, yet was without fault. And what do we do with this faultless God? Do, 
do we keep distance? No, it says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence to find help in our time of need. He is present to help. And I love where this psalm wraps up. It says this, and then we've heard these words already this morning. Be still and know that I'm God. Cease striving and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Now, I love these words, cease striving or be still. But I was looking at one scholar's words and a different scholar's personal translation of this earlier this week. I was expecting some big words. And this scholar just simply uh, translated cease striving as relax. <laughs> well, that's profound. This is what they wrote. People may relax in appropriate confidence to know that God is or to know that God is God is to know his lordship over nature and history and therefore to be aware of his total capacity as protector. To know that God is God today to know that you know that you know, to know, not just at a head level, but on a heart level, to be surrendered before him and believing in him, means that we acknowledge his lordship over all of history and over all of creation, that he not only loves us, but is able to intervene in our lives, that he can and he cares. And this morning that, that we acknowledge that we can therefore be at peace. We can relax. Maybe this isn't a profound message this morning. Maybe, maybe it is. But in a world today that just says, go, 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 that says enough is never enough. You are never good enough, strong enough, smart enough, wealthy enough. There's an invitation here to peace. A peace that maybe, depending on your circumstances this morning, maybe surpasses all understanding. Or perhaps it's a piece that's right in tune with who you are here today, but yet still to be embraced and lived. I'm going to invite the, the band forward. We're going to have some moments to, to sing here, to remember God as our refuge and our strength, to, to affirm our belief there again, remember his faithfulness. But let me say this this morning. If you walked in here bearing any kind of burden, if there, is, if there is not peace in your heart, if there is turmoil around you or in your life this morning, please don't leave here without letting us pray for you. And maybe that's, maybe that's here now, maybe that's later, once everyone's kind of turned around and pointed that direction and you want to come up and, and I'd love to pray for you. We've got a prayer room through that, those doors you may or may not know about if you want to spend some time over there this morning. Let's remember this morning that God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, but we will relax and know that He is God, that He will sustain His purposes, that He will sustain His church, that He will sustain you as you trust Him for now into eternity. Let's pray. Lord, uh, The troubles we have in life, the troubles we face around us, the troubles of, of people we love and care about. This morning may not be life altering. They may not be, they may not be history changing. My troubles aren't your troubles and yours aren't mine, but 
there are troubles around us and we this morning just choose by faith to surrender them before you. Whatever those things are this morning, we we give up to you and we pray for your engagement with us. Lord, we ask that you would reveal yourself as our refuge and our strength. Lord, when we feel threatened, remind us that you are our refuge. When we feel weak, remind us that you can make us strong. Help remind us that you are the one who lifts up the humble, who exalts the meek and the mild, the one who brings healing to the sick and who mends the broken. You are our God. And so, Lord, protect us, sustain us. And not just for our name's sake, but for your glory, because we want to be a people who, for all of eternity to come, will be praising you. So, Lord, in these moments, we just reaffirm that you are faithful. And, Lord, we bring our hearts before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Let's praise God together.